0: Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you People as Lemons. And with that, this is Luke here in wisconsin and i'm here with my co-host nick in north carolina how's it going
1: nick what up it's going well you know just ready to go to the zoo honestly (laughs) oh that's right
0: oh yeah and okay this is like way like by the time this episode gets out this will be way past your birthday that's gonna it's be your, so far out. <laughs> it's your birthday this
1: week. <laughs> it is our birthday as of the time of this recording. In like two days. Yeah. Send me gifts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> also, I was
0: uh <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, okay. So the zoo, do you have any um any any particular animals you are excited to see at the zoo?
1: Um uh, mm. I just want to take photos of animals because it's been so long. I was like, when have I seen other creatures in COVID land? I don't know. But I will say I would like to see bison because I have a Polaroid camera. And then my wife just got me a DSLR that I need to learn how to use. Because I'm pretty good with my Polaroid. But as for digital photography, I have no idea. So I would like to Ah. practice that. So the goal is to take as many photos of animals and then maybe a couple of my friends that are coming uh as possible but you know we'll see ah that sounds like fun yeah so it'll be fun as long as it's not you know freezing cold but i think we'll be all right it's north carolina it does not get as cold as up there in the north
0: oh yeah no oh and we were just talking about that it's so yeah
1: you were saying like oh it's so great that it's 20 (laughs) degrees now well okay for those for all of our um North
0: Carolina listeners and those who are not in Wisconsin or cold places like Wisconsin just to give perspective it was like -20 -10 for a couple weeks straight and now it's like positive 20 positive 30 and you may be thinking that i that is all cold like all of those categories are cold <laughs> and you know what you would normally be correct but with Wisconsin here and really anywhere that's a 40 degree shift (laughs) like 40 to 50 degree shift in a couple days so which is so wild like i'm like outside you know shoveling the snow and i'm like man i could go for a run like it it is nice out
1: and it's like 30 (laughs) degrees (laughs) oh no and here we're like you know there's a chance of sleet and then it turns like 80 degrees the next day. And we're like, ah, oh, what is this?
0: Yeah. Well, hey, I don't I don't blame you if you're not used to it. I mean, in the fall, we're all like, it's super cold when it's 50. So, I mean, it's just a matter of adjusting. But speaking of far off, ex- just, just different, I was about to say exotic. And I'm like, ah, that kind of has a lot of baggage with it. That's not like, a good word. Let's name use Other that locations. Word. Honestly, it's really not a good word. And now I'm like, oh, I just said it uh but anyway we're we are talking about far off lands uh what's the better perspective to it? our own that Respected we're living to in our own yeah there you go man what would we do without nick this podcast would be a disaster well it would
1: only be half a podcast. oh wait no it wouldn't even be a podcast
0: it wouldn't even be on a on podcast
1: for the last episode no last season. season two yeah
0: finale man this is true there would be no podcast that'd be sad uh anyway we're we'll gonna recommending... hang out no that's true honestly we've we've been talking even before we recorded we talked for like 45 minutes just hanging out Um, uh, anyway that's for those true, of you yeah. who are like i wish i could hang out with nick or luke
1: um that's why we made this
0: podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> heck <laughs> i mean send us a message maybe we'll do like a live stream we'll be like hey talk to us tell we're us what animal <laughs> you want to see at the zoo and by the time that happens i'll have already seen them all and i'll be bored of animals oh that'd be sad. that's not true that's not true well if anyone i likes... just bought a dinosaur <laughs> field guide like two years ago i was just and, gonna say uh... that oh really oh no
0: <laughs> no i was gonna say if anyone likes dinosaurs they can message us and nick will talk with them
1: <laughs> i'll show you all the cool resources i have on that because that's what this podcast is now going to transition into <laughs> dinosaurs dinosaurs <laughs> And what every child loves and Nick
0: and Nick and Kelvin and Hobbes. There's lots of dinosaurs and I like Kelvin and Hobbes. So that works. It is uh, high
1: quality. Anyway,
0: you may be sitting there going, huh, I like listening to Nick and Luke, but I would also like to know what resource they're recommending this week. <laughs> and don't you worry, because we are recommending a book, which this is the second time we recommended a book on the podcast Uh, The first time was for a Patreon episode, and of course, some of our wonderful interviewees have recommended books, but this is our first book we're recommending on a regular season episode, so that's pretty exciting. And the book is called King Leopold's Ghost. It's written by Adam Hochschild, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct. Neither am I. (laughs) Before I actually start talking about it myself, I would like to read... Our co-reader, our co-listener from this week, who is a reader, April from Washington, D.C. Uh, she's got a wonderful introduction to it. So she says, Adam Hochschild weaves a page-turning narrative of the Belgian King Leopold II's quest to colonize the Congo for personal gain through lies, flattery, treachery, and all those who aided and abetted him through their own foolishness, naivete, vanity, and depravity. It is an imperfect retelling from the beginning hostile bemoans the lack of congolese voices the preponderance of written words from the period are from americans and europeans which quote inevitably skewed the way that history was recorded this is his attempt to straighten the record and frankly it should be mandatory reading numbers vary widely for who can know but anywhere from six to ten million people were killed in the congo through forced labor She puts in parentheses slavery, conscription, disease, and even for sport as someone who lives and works in Washington, D.C., I found it particularly frustrating to note that the influence and propaganda campaign King Leopold and his emissaries conducted in order to get the U.S. and thereby international support for his campaign of terror is eerily similar to the smoke and mirrors used by foreign governments and private enterprises in D.C. today for similar purposes. But there are glimmers of goodness, those who could not stand by and remain silent, one faced with overwhelming injustice and atrocities. There is much to unpack in King Leopold's ghost, racism, structural injustice, human depravity, greed, geopolitics, corruption, power. But each page is worth pondering and with humility and openness. Well, thank you for that, April. Uh, that review is way better than anything else you're gonna hear this episode. So we just hit, we just hit the climax of this episode. The rest of it's gonna be just Nick and I talking about this book. So
1: should have um, saved it for the end, like we normally do. <laughs> like, i'm sorry. close this out
0: with better words. Well, part of me is like, this is such a huge book. Like I'm like, oh, I gotta start with this kind of introduction because I'm. Maybe
1: I'll read it twice. Maybe, I don't know.
0: Like, anyway. Um, oh, so. I definitely
1: need to read it again. Because, I mean, last time I read it was, and I've only read it once. So I don't know why I said it last time. I read it. The only time I've read it was back, I want to say in 2018, when I was doing my field placement with the Refugee Resettlement Agency as a student at North Carolina State University. Yeah. And so it was actually recommended to me by one of the case managers there who had said, you know, as I was inquiring about the history behind the people that we were working with. And so particularly during that time, and as we discussed earlier in this season, um, the prominent population of refugees at this moment is Congolese, or people from, like, central sub-Saharan Africa. And so I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to read this book, because it right. relates to, in many ways, the history of the people that I'm directly working with now. And so it's just a very fascinating book that, Honestly, yeah, like she said, it should be mandatory because it's one of those things, again, it's even as we can go even further back into episode, I think our first bonus episode of season one with call saying that, you know, in the minds of conquerors, like history is written by them. And so you don't always necessarily get to hear those black and brown voices that were exploited over time. And like, in many ways, the exploitation and destruction of people during the colonization period and that time after, and then neocolonialism and all that stuff that occurred, following that as a result of colonization. And so it is really important to know how these European influences or interventions and genocides really did impact and shape where history is today.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I think the thing that really riveted me for lack of a better term was the scope because I think like anyone with kind of a cursory understanding of history is like okay yeah we know Europe colonized everybody and there was a ton of terrible things but they might be wondering like Nick and Luke why are you pointing to this in particular and okay to backtrack for a second I would love to learn about all sorts of different things that I I know that I don't know in other words like I'm so aware of so much history that I don't know but it's interesting I think to me and this is actually what Adam Hoschild mentions in his introduction on I think it's page three he basically says I knew almost nothing about the history of the Congo until a few years ago when I noticed a foot new uh, foot new, <laughs> not sure where <laughs> that came from footnote in a book I happen to be reading Often, when you come across something particularly striking, you remember it just where you were when you read it. On this occasion, I was sitting stiff and tired, tired at night, in one of the far rear seats of an airliner crossing the United States from east to west. The footnote was to a quotation by Mark Twain, written, the note said, when he was part of the worldwide movement against slave labor in the Congo, a practice that had taken five to eight million lives. Worldwide movement? Five to eight million lives? I was startled. And of course, then he goes on to talk about some more statistics. And I was startled reading that I was like, oh, five to eight million lives, um, I think. And for good reason, we re- 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 remember the, the Holocaust of World War Two, right? Like six million Jews. That's that's such a and I know we don't know the exact number, of course, because we don't.
1: Um, right. And in addition to that, like Eastern Europeans and then other um, marginalized populations as well
0: right of course
1: yes i think more
0: just like that's a statistic i think that's very easily recognized by the general public of america i would say like you don't really have to convince people that like yeah a bunch a lot of people died in world war ii right um and even just those statistics or and i and i would say even some of these aren't as known but i would say obviously also very significant millions of people dying in ukraine in the soviet union um because of how their economy was set up with farming. Um, or if you look at China's history and the Great Leap Forward and millions of people dying. Um, it's just striking to me, not that those events are insignificant. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is striking to me is how unknown these deaths are in Congo. Um I don't know if that makes any sense. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like All of these events are extremely important, of course. And it's kind of startling when all of a sudden there's like millions of lives that were lost and you know, nothing about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also it wasn't as if it was in a short time span, like during the terror famine and like the Holocaust, which I mean, of course, those are like over a period of several years. This though, however, in the Congo occurred over 20 years and it took, like the first major human rights movement essentially to quell that and to call that into account and say hey like things need to change and it was just consistent persistent voices over years and years advocating for these people that were suffering due to the exploitation of labor and just essentially what amounts to genocide right and it's, it's interesting
0: too how, and April points this out, our co-listener, um, how King Leopold and even the book's titled King Leopold's Ghost, he was like this mastermind, um, which is really foreboding uh, to think of how one person can leave. And obviously there were more people that were selfishly motivated besides just King Leopold, but really how he was the, he was the center. He was the nucleus of this whole operation. And I was struck the, the quote that I just remember when I read the book, because I read it about a year ago. And then I just kind of went back and reviewed some of my notes. Um, But mentally what stuck with me, I found it on page 95. I searched for it again. It's when uh, it says Leopold, this is a quote, "A a Belgian prime minister once remarked, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading this quote wrong. The Belgian prime minister is talking about Leopold. He says, he treats men as we use lemons. When he has squeezed them dry, he throws away the peel. The sense of, like, just using someone based on their utility and throwing them away. And truly, if you read this book, it is startling to see how shrewd and clever uh, King Leopold is, even to the degree he sets up these organizations. um, And even, like, internationally, I don't remember the exact details of it. But he makes it confusing as to, like, what what's the name of different organizations. And then eventually just kind of dissolves them as he has no use of them. So it's like, it's not very clear exactly what the point of it is. And then he just, he eventually just gets rid of the organization when he doesn't need it. (laughs) It's like, wow, there's like zero accountability, (laughs) like zero transparency with this guy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And what I thought was really key to all of this, I mean, we, and many people might not know this, I'm not entirely sure if it's relatively well known, but Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness was based on the atrocities occurring in the Congo because he actually went down there. And even I want to say the book even depicts how during his own time it was received not necessarily that significantly as compared to other major leaders in that human rights movement. Um, it was, And then as we discovered through time, it actually becomes just kind of this like narrative that we don't actually think of as being connected to one of the more significant and atrocious events of the 20th century or late 19th, early 20th century.
0: Yeah. And okay. F- fill me in a little bit. Cause I know of the book you're talking about heart of darkness. Cause I think I remember in, I think it was high school there was like we had like these breakout groups where each group would read a book that was significant and then kind of present on it and i don't think i read that one but i remember somebody talking about it do you mind filling us in a little bit of what what was joseph conrad's um book about what what is that what was he talking about yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely if i remember correctly it's um and actually people might know it more associated with Apocalypse Now, which is based on Heart of Darkness, except it takes place in Vietnam instead. And so within Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, what happens is the protagonist, and so it's like a semi-fictional account, right? But it's still him talking about his experiences there. And so it's this guy that is getting sent to deal with somebody that has essentially turned rogue. It's somebody in the military down there in the congo that's turned rogue and he's basically set himself up, set himself up as king in like their quote heart of darkness so it's that guy going through on a riverboat down to find this guy and to bring him back essentially um and so that's kind of just and so as you go throughout the story you're just seeing all these various atrocities occurring essentially and i don't have a good memory of that book honestly because i read it Probably in middle school, question mark, like late middle school, early high school. Um, Okay. But like I said, a lot of people don't actually associate that book now with the history of that event. And as what we've described before, a worldwide human rights movement as it culminated during that time.
0: Yeah. And okay, just to rewind for a second uh, or kind of zoom out. I bet a lot of people are probably wondering what happened (laughs) like you told us that millions of people died how did all these people die and uh okay correct me if i'm wrong but am i am i off by saying that the primary vehicle that was killing all these people was forced labor to get rubber from trees am i do i have that correct
1: yeah that's correct
0: Okay. And obviously there's also plenty of very gruesome details of, um, how people were treated. And, um, I mean, talking about slavery of any kind is going to be pretty brutal. Uh, but it, I, I did, I, I want to, I wanted to mention something. I, I want to mention it with some caution because I think it's, I don't want to be too simplistic, but I think it is significant to point out the, the motivating force for these people's death is greed. Um, now, I'm again, I'm not trying to diminish the importance of the other people who have died in these millions, in these other events in history. But I do think it's significant to point out that it's greed because I think sometimes we kind of tell ourselves, well you know communism is really bad look at how many millions of people have died and i would i would say you know what you're right i am very concerned about many forms of communism and i would also say you know it's helpful to kind of define our terms what we mean you know by communism or socialism or capitalism because there's they're terms of such baggage you know like they're they're thrown around so easily and in this case the people are dying from slavery so I think someone who might try and defend capitalism like I I try my best to represent my opponent's thoughts so just in my own head I'm, I don't even have like a person in my. I'm just like in my own head thinking about these different viewpoints um, the capitalist might say, well, look, those people weren't actually capitalists. They were, it was a state controlled um, economy, like in Belgium. So it wasn't actually true capitalism. And in one sense, I would say you're totally right. Those people were exploited. They were, they were sold and forced to work until they died. Um, that is not the same as being able to op- own your own capital, being able to that's the idea of capitalism in a very simplistic way um but i do think it's important so let's set aside capitalism socialism communism if you look at how all these people have died in the 20th century in the millions um you know many of them are from conflict many are from these horribly racist ideas like you know nazi germany believing that and, and you're right, Nick, when you pointed out that <clears throat> there's, there's many different minority groups that were, that were targeted by the Nazis. Um, but, you know, just thinking in general, I, you, it maybe perhaps greed was mo- one of the motivations in World War II, but I think a lot of it, it was just racism, like s- literally thinking the Aryan race is better than other races. Um, and I think that is one thing that stood out to me. Not that the racism is not present in the Congo, but that this driving force was greed. It was that the world economy had an appetite for rubber. It was like, we want rubber. And Belgium was willing to supply that, you know? They were willing, um, and obviously the rest of the world was tricked by King Leopold. So that, it, that is King Leopold II. So that is worth pointing out. But also it makes me wonder, what ways and i think april kind of talked about this with other foreign powers and in private enterprises in washington dc what ways do we want to be tricked does that make any sense like in the present i know in one sense it's difficult to apply the same sort of scrutiny to the present because we don't have that hindsight you know being able to examine all the resources and stuff right right but there's a sense of like did the world really believe that the Congo was being treated well back when King Leopold was telling them that? Or do they just want to believe that because their greed blinded them? Anyway. No, <laughs> Not I think to be... makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be super like a downer, but I mean, oh man, just thinking about. Okay, yeah, I'll try not to make it too much about economics because I think there's so many complicated layers that perhaps, perhaps, at different episodes we can we can try and delve into things different. But that was the one thing I, I'm just I'm just thinking about the blinding power of greed. I guess is just what I would be mentioning.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like that greed ties into the very explicit dehumanization of what we as Christians would perceive of to be as you know the image of God, like the Imago Dei. And that inherent worth and value of people being thrown away for the sake of profit. Um, particularly in this case, one person's profit because since he technically owns the Congo, he was getting all that money as far as Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah.
0: No, you're right. You're very right. And he had extravagant, extravagant properties in, in Belgium. Um, well anyway uh any any other last thoughts you wanted to close this out with nick any any last lingering lingering things
1: Hmm. i will say one hopeful thing was that i saw in that that i don't think um many people also i mean as far as like this movement was concerned like the um human rights movement in the congo and around the world as it came to arise and people came to like speak out against it right a big part of that a big integral factor in getting that message across was actually african-american missionaries to the congo who had been pushed away from their i think it was the presbyterian denomination um to go to the congo because they weren't necessarily as welcome in america so they're like here go to the congo and there i mean some of the leading people i think one was um William H. Shepard, like he was a big force in like documenting and reporting all of that, and then inevitably holding um, King Leopold II accountable for all that. So, like there were, it's encouraging to see that, in spite of even our own legacy, people that have suffered through that were still able to promote justice and truth, even if it wasn't in America
0: yeah no that that is a good hopeful note and it is wild to think if there weren't voices like him how much longer it may have gone on because like you mentioned earlier it was multiple decades of this well with that note of hope on the just the importance of speaking out it's not too late in whatever issues obviously we're always trying to learn and be aware of our current situation Uh, thank you guys for sticking with us this week and and talking about King Leopold's Ghost. Again, it's a book written by Adam Hochschild. And again, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Um, So that's it for this week. Come back next week for our season finale. Dispen what? We'll see you next week.